Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. Today is Sunday, November 22nd. Clemson's 11-0. South Carolina picked up a decisive loss against the FCS team, and life is good. Uh, welcome, guys. Joined again today by Chili. Um, Chili, how you doing? I'm doing very well today. Hope you are, too. Thank you. Yes, all is good here on the West Coast. Um, big weekend, college football. Um, wanted to give everyone the heads up. This is part one of three of our South Carolina rivalry week run-up previews situation. Um, we're going to recap a little bit of the Wake game um, and just talk with Chili about you know what, what his perspective is on recent happenings in Clemson football and the college football landscape um, overall. So Chili, a lot, lot happened this week um, in college football. Did you watch any of the games across the country this week? Yeah, I watched a number of them. I, I watched uh, as much of the, of the uh, Carolina Citadel game as I could. Just, you know, it's, it's nice to see those guys take an L to an FCS team. Um, I know that's like bad mojo, you know what I mean? Like that, right. that, kind of, uh, uh, that kind of activity will be revisited upon me more than likely, but I just couldn't help it. It was it's just really fun to watch a, a dumpster fire uh, kind of reignite itself. Yeah, I feel like at several points of this season, they've kind of hit rock bottom and continue to find a way to drill deeper. So, um, yeah, let's just hope, you know. Yeah, I, I still remember all the articles that came out about uh, about uh, Sean Elliott down there. That's the guy's name, right? I know last yeah, time. that's it. Yep, Sean Elliott. I'm not going to have to remember it. He's not going to be here <laughs> after the season anyway. Who cares? But yeah, I remember the articles coming out saying, you know, maybe South Carolina has found their, their Dabo Sweeney. You know, the assistant coach takes over and reignites the team. Well, he's one in four now with a loss to the Citadel. So Right. Yeah, so yeah, he's done. Whatever. Probably not quick to get a get a head coaching job in the in the Power Five. Yes, yeah. he um, is. Um, what he lacks for in coaching skill, he makes up for in general anger and uh, and kind of clown shoes ass uh, uh, excitement. And uh, I guess in that sense, he's he's a good fit um, in Columbia. But well, I mean, he does, that that does uh, draw some comparisons to Sweeney in terms of their enthusiasm, but Sweeney obviously has uh, has the coaching talents to back it up. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. Uh, thinking about the South Carolina game this weekend, um, I guess I have to consider, like, if, you know, the horrible thing. Like, what if, what if I was South Carolina? How do you react to that? Right. And, uh, besides uh, it making me a garbage person, um, I would probably um, – yeah, this is this is for all intents and purposes their national championship game. You know, they there's nothing better than being able to give your rival a loss that dethrones uh, all their hopes for the postseason. Uh, so I mean, clearly they're going to be looking to rain on our parade. And uh, I don't know. I think it's going to be a really scrappy game, but um, and they'll definitely be up for it. But uh, I mean, I don't think their defense can do anything compared to our offense. I mean, their defense. They let a they, they let a white running back run like a sixty yard touchdown on them. Come on, man! And when it mattered most, right? Like that's the one play you just 
Yeah, he played at Ben Lippin. And yeah. then he ran all over you. Come on, man. I mean, I do think I think you're right. It, it will be scrappy. Let's hope. Let's hope the play is not super dirty across the board. But oh, I feel I like, yeah, I think it could be. I mean, we'll see. But um, you know, realistically, as a Clemson fan, I think what concerns me a little bit is their ability to get a big play themselves. Um, we we saw a few of those. Actually, Farrow Cooper scored on the in the waning seconds of this game. Yeah, their whole team is Farrow Cooper and Pals. There's nobody else. Like right. They have a serviceable quarterback, I guess. Uh, but, mm-hmm. I mean, basically, if he gets the ball to Cooper, and, and you're right, that has been pretty successful. And uh, looking at our defense, yeah, I think there's a, a threat of them breaking something big. But, um, you know, every time our offense takes the field, they should end up scoring. So Right, exactly. Also, the, the Clemson games have gotten a little bit less fun to watch lately um, because they're they're playing smart. You know, they're playing very safe. So you, you see a lot of the starters going out very early and Clemson sort of uh, just kind of maintaining a lead, which, you know, they're they're playing now for the postseason. So, that, like I said, it's smart, but it's just not it's not as fun to watch as them, you know, dropping an elbow in Miami or something like that or a back and forth uh, like up at NC State, uh, you know. Yeah, I just – basically a, a shootout at that point. Yeah, I think I agree with you. And it, it sort of puts under the magnifying glass a little more, like any type of lapses with the offense, um, any turnovers from the offense. Like, you know, when we're when we're sitting our starters, it can make you feel like we're taking our foot out the, off the gas a little bit, especially when you see Bama running up a score on Charleston Southern. Um, yeah. Other teams trying to chase us. Charleston Southern, I'm assuming Bama had their, their second and third stringers in still run up the score, you know? Yeah, I think they did. So, um, yeah. Maybe that's a good point. I mean, we can touch on other action across the country. Like the mighty SEC oh, yeah. seemed to struggle with the SOCON across the board. Georgia needed overtime to beat Georgia Southern. Um, and Florida, I think, needed overtime to beat FAU. Um, and then we know about yeah. South Carolina. I was very interested in those games. You know, I live in Atlanta. Uh, I lived here uh, like maybe 10 years ago, and it wasn't as fun of a time to live here because Clemson was not, uh, was not great at the time. Right. I think that's about when we – we started uh, taking some uh, taking some bad losses there. Um, right, be- I was there right before the uh, the very end of the Bowden years. I was in Atlanta, but now you know, like I was out last night. I just look at a Georgia fan, like, oh, y'all really squeaked by Georgia Southern today, huh? <laughs> and then you have to listen to them talk about how good Georgia Southern is. Like, yeah, they're good, but you should right you should the crap out of them. And, and these are guys, your I, players. I watched, yeah, these guys yeah, are I watched, on the same high school team as Georgia's players, but they're they're backing them up. You know, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, that's, you know, again, Georgia will be back uh, sooner rather than later. But they have Tommy Bowden Plus down there with Mark Rick. Mm-hmm. You know, does what does what he need. Uh, what he needs to get by is uh, super friendly and super super religious, and, and that's enough for a lot of people there. And uh, they're going to have a hard time getting rid of him, I think. But yep. um, I, I watched that. I watched the Florida game the whole time thinking, like, how the hell is Florida number eight? And I, know, I mean, I know the answer. It's SEC. Right, you know, they look like the old Florida teams, uh, and by that I mean literally just the jerseys are similar because there's nothing else similar. There's no reason they should be ranked as high as they are. It's a joke, and um, you know, uh, it's again, it, it doesn't work with other leagues, but the SEC can kind of they can all beat each other and they all just end up rising in the polls because I look at their awesome competition. Well, maybe they're not, you know, not all that tremendous. Mm-hmm. I, I think uh, the, I think the. Uh, Big 12 uh, is much more interesting in terms of their uh, 
some of the juggernauts having to take each other out here at the end of the season. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you want to give credit for one loss teams, like beating up on good teams, I think that's, that's the big 12 right now. You got Oklahoma. They took a terrible loss to Texas, but they've pretty much been the class of that conference since um, Oklahoma state was undefeated. They lost to a, a Baylor team that was reeling from an Oklahoma, a loss to Oklahoma last week. And um, TCU showed some, some gumption coming back on OU yesterday. So there's sort of four teams there with one loss. You know, unfortunately, they're not going to have a conference that once and for all. It's going to be a lot of, you know, um, I don't know, circular kind of everyone beating one another. That's yeah. probably going to happen here, but we'll see. Um, what do you? Who do you think gets out of that alive? Uh, I've always thinking about that, and I mean, you're right. They they do their schedules set up so that all the attention is diverted to them at the end of the season, like the, the most critical decision-making weeks for voters. Yep. And, and that's obviously very intentional. I think that, you know, I got to, I got to think that Oklahoma uh, squeaks out through it. I mean, honestly, I don't know what the spread is, but it seems like it could be a toss up between them and Oklahoma state, but I just see maybe Oklahoma doing it and that, that Texas loss seeming more and more like an aberration. Right. I, I think it was, I mean, I, the big thing coming out of this week, Baker Mayfield suffered what's probably going to be a concussion. We'll see how much he can practice this week and if he'll be able to, but um, they did just enough to hang on and win. And then Oklahoma state, I think this, this advanced stats don't really speak too highly of their team overall. Um, they did beat, um, they did win last week against Baylor coming into this week. So um, that was kind of their test and their one win of the season, but Oklahoma may well be a better team than OSU at, the, at this point. So I think yeah. that Bedlam game is going to be I think awesome. I, I have no problem with either one of those guys getting, getting through. And their, and their rivalry game this week is enormous and is essentially a play-in game for the, for the college yeah. playoff, it seems like. Yeah, it could be. Um, and then maybe elsewhere, what we saw, did you watch any of that Ohio State-Michigan State game? I know that was concurrent with the Clemson game. but um, Yeah, well, the Clemson game was really boring, um, you know, about the time. I hate to sound like a bad Clemson fan, but whatever. I'm convenience oriented. So when about the time the Clemson game started to get boring, you know, I just flipped it over to the Ohio State game because um, that was definitely not a boring game. Um, and I've been watching Ohio State with some interest this year, and and mainly like being really puzzled at why they were constantly ranked so high. And I, I mean, one of the voters came out today, I think, and said like, "Hey, you know, we were basing it on last year, and obviously that's a mistake because they were they barely squeaked by Indiana." You know, a number of teams they barely beat on their schedule, and their schedule was a joke anyway. Yeah, it, and as of now, they have no wins against top twenty-five teams. Um, if they beat Michigan next week, they would. But you know, it's well, I don't know if they will now because you know, as everybody saw, it was played up a bit. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott's comments about that being his last game at the Horseshoe, um, and people wanted to make a bigger deal about that than it was the guy was just being honest you know i appreciated his candor yeah but uh you know the old saying goes uh, praise in public and damn in private so those are those probably comments he should have kept to the coaching staff I, I don't think it helps anything to say those to everybody but you know he's being honest and i appreciate that and he's right i mean i don't i don't know you know i don't know how it, it went from Urban Meyer seeming like the best coach in America to now seeming like the wheels are falling off of his of his whole program now with with that those comments and and I don't think it's as bad as some people make it out to be but but certainly the, what you saw was a, a relatively 
a weak team compared to the other top teams, and they drop the one loss, and they're pretty much exposed. So. Yeah, I think what you're seeing is a little bit of like what happens when you've got just an embarrassment of riches with talent, but it's, it really yeah. is kind of a puzzle of piecing all that together and making sure like he's involved with this too. Well, yeah, I think they do have a lot of talent at some of the skill positions, but you know, and they've got a couple good, uh, I forget the guys' name, they've got pretty good um, O-line there, but you know, they're not top to bottom as talented as any of the other top, I would yeah. say, 10 teams. Um, and, and I think also, yeah, you, you get, there's some issues in managing those egos. Yep. Yeah, so, I mean, I we'll see what that means going forward for them. They're going to turn, maybe those guys decide to go into the draft. JT Barrett's going to be around. Um, they're going to reload. Yeah, they're, they're going to be okay. I mean, I'm not, yeah. I'm not worried about them. It's just, it, you know, things kind of, you know, deteriorate very, very quickly for them. Um, but, you know, look, there's a lot of teams that wish they, they had those problems. Definitely. So, yeah. Take everything in perspective. I have no animus towards Ohio State. I just, I didn't feel like they were deserving of their accolades this year. So, and I also don't feel like Notre Dame's necessarily deserving of it. Um, you know, they that's a team that gets to pick their own schedule, and, and I know these things are done years in advance, but I'm just not that impressed by them, the teams they're, they're beating, you know. Yeah, I mean, they're at this point, their only top 25 win was against Navy. Uh, they looked fairly shaky against Boston College this week, and then Temple, they sort of need some help down the stretch to get through that game. Temple's pretty good, you know, for – Temple's not a great team, but they got really propped up by, you know, ESPN and Game Day being there and all that, which was, right. you know, uh, you know, I think I said it last time. Join a, a conference in full, or just stay out of the playoffs, Notre Dame. And they, they're another team that gets enough uh, enough northern bandwagon sports writers to jump onto their their base. And I mean, I know that's a good thing for Clemson that makes our victory against them that much better. But right, you know, I, I just we don't end up having to play them in the playoffs. They're going to be the first team out, you know. Yeah, I was gonna say like if if it should come to pass, it seems like they were number four with Ohio State number three dropping out. You know, I don't know if we saw anyone else with a convincing enough win. I could see Notre Dame sneaking into that three spot, and then provided they beat Stanford this coming weekend, I don't I don't see them getting left out. But you know, maybe they do move Oklahoma up into the three spot, leave ND at four, and then let's see what happens with Michigan State Iowa in that Big Ten title game. Well, I think uh, I do. I think it, it should be if the relevant teams went out. It should be Clemson, Alabama, Oklahoma, Iowa. And, I mean, that's that's not exactly a big stretch there for me to say that. I'm not going out on a limb here, but I don't think Notre Dame deserves to be in that conversation with those other teams. Yeah, I mean, a year ago we heard from the bit from the committee that the Big Twelve didn't have a conference champion. So therefore, you know, yeah, nice, nice schedule, nice. Nice wins. You still have one loss, and you don't have a definitive champion. Well, Notre Dame's not going to have a conference yeah. either. No, they're not. But also, I, I'm hesitant to try to read the tea leaves of that playoff committee. I mean, they they make a lot of statements about what they care about, but uh, you know, in the yeah. end, I think it's well. We all know we all know money is very much involved here, and Notre Dame. You know, when Clemson played Notre Dame, our ratings were among the highest that we've ever seen, even when we were. You know, two years ago, playing a floors, we were you know number three. I think Florida State was number six, seven, or eight. Um, I don't know what game you're talking about. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, I think Notre Dame's clout and kind of national exposure, even if it's an older generation of fans, 
that's going to weigh heavily on this decision. So anyway, there's you know two more weeks of meaningful football left. Like I agree with you. Let's not get ahead of ourselves with this. But um, so you think Iowa can? Yeah, take but that, like, there's, other, okay. yeah, there's other teams I'm excited to watch. Oh, I want to see this Iowa team. I want to watch Oklahoma. I want to watch Ohio State. You know, I want to see Alabama, who is, continues to look pretty frightening regardless of their competition. I still think they're they're probably going to win it all. But um, I've never once been like, "Hey, I really want to watch Notre Dame." Like, I'm just I'm not that impressed by their by uh, Kaiser or, uh, or their, what's that receiver that uh, was talking trash about Clemson. Will Fuller. Yeah, Will. Fuller, I'm not. I mean, they're great players, but I, who cares? It's boring. Right. Yeah, I mean, I. If they do get in, I go back and forth on whether I want to rematch with them. I mean, it's a, it's the devil you know of it. I think that obviously both teams have have improved. I would say, but you know, Clemson's uh, offensive play calling development is leaps and bounds above what we saw in that really conservatively planned uh, second half, where we sort of, you know, sort of not to lose, trying to put the, the foot against their neck on offense. I, you know, I'm inclined to believe that we play them again. It's not even close. Yeah, and they've, it seems like they've suffered a, a couple more injuries also. Um, Procise went out of the game yesterday with a high ankle sprain, and I think one of their cornerbacks also went down. So um, anyway, we'll, we'll see what goes on there, and they still have to beat Stanford to even be considered, and Stanford looks pretty good. So um, anyway, I, let's, let's touch really quickly on this Wake game. I mean, I know you we have to flipping out of it. We kind of got to touch on it, but um, no, I was, I was, I was, I was, I watched the game. And I just, you know, did yeah. other stuff too. I mean, I think what was what was nice to see coming off of a Syracuse game, and then you know, NC State prior to that. Um, I want to talk about the defense. Like they got back on track with kind of their dominant ways. Um, I think they they held Wake to something like around 150 yards on um, 13 points. Most of their points came actually on basically a pass interference call that extended a drive and got them into position to score. And then a turnover where they returned the ball to the 11 yard line. So, um, and then I, I think they missed, missed the PAT there. So other than that, it's basically a shutout for the defense, um, tons of tackles for losses and sacks. And we also were able to get um, some, some of the second stringers in there. So after a few weeks of kind of lackluster performance, I mean, again, it, we were playing Wake Forest, but, they, um, you know, it's they're not the pushovers that they once were either. No, and Wake Forest is kind of uh, in line with uh, with Boston College. Is both having you know really stout, uh, relatively stout defenses statistically. So mm-hmm. doing well against them is uh, is is more meaningful than it once was. Uh, a little bit less than it was during the uh, the Grove era, which were some great years for Wake Forest up there. Yep. You know, it's. It's not a ex- uh, team that you're thrilled um, that you beat necessarily. You feel like you should beat them. But uh, the, the takeaways for that game, I, I'm, I agree with you. It's nice to see uh, some of the reserves doing well. Um, and it's uh, it's kind of good to see. Um, no serious injuries. Uh, you know, there were a couple players banged up, but nothing uh, long-term. You know, we, we rested Gallman, um, which, was, which was good that we were able to – have you know our second biggest playmaker on offense out of the game and still do well. Uh, running game hurt. I mean Zach Brooks is not the same kind of runner. He's more of an edge guy than a bullet up the middle like Gallman. But it was it was good to kind of 
to kind of shift the, the pieces around and, and see that the machine still works. Yeah, and on offense, actually, Kelly Bryant, backup quarterback, was our leading rusher on the day. Um, it seemed like when he was in there, every nearly every play was going to be a run, and he still managed to rack up, I think, close to 60 yards on only a handful of carries. Um, he did telegraph a pass. It was picked off, unfortunately, but that's our backup. He's going to develop. Let's hope, knock on wood, we don't need to see him much in our our championship game and then our, our playoff games, but um, yeah, job done on the ground. Yeah, for sure. Um, and again, this was Clemson's seventh consecutive 500-yard offensive performance. Um, since that Notre Dame game, we've really seen the play calling improve and, and find ways to, to spread the ball around to our playmakers. Um, I think I give my offensive game ball to, I mean, Deshaun was amazing, but Jermon Hopper, he had a career game um, in this game, some deep ball passes, some kind of creating some things with his feet. I think he had a 63-yard catch at one point also. Um, so, yeah, good to see Hopper. He, he's kind of had some drops throughout the year. But um, Deion Kane got after it as well, and Sharon Peak too. So um, I think nine yeah. or ten Tigers caught balls in this game, which is awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm particularly happy to see uh, Peak doing well because yeah, he was one of those guys that never really seemed to live up to his potential. He had some, some flashes. And he's really uh, he's really stepped up in the absence of uh, Mike Williams, you know, as that kind of uh, real uh, real spectacular target. Um, and he's done very well. That's good to see. Yeah, for sure. He's a senior also, so kind of important. He can end on the right note, and he's had some injury troubles throughout his career. But um, yeah, he's looking strong, and we could definitely use him. Um, so I guess I mean. We kind of saw a little bit of our special teams' interesting play continue, but outside of that stuff, like across the board, as you look ahead to South Carolina, but then North Carolina, and hopefully a playoff berth with this team, like where would you like to see some improvement? Where do you think this team needs to get better? Yeah, that's a good question. I, well, I think you you said it there with special teams. Um, I think. Our, our kicking, like specifically the kickers themselves, are doing great. Um, however, the um, kick coverage and some of the uh, protection on uh, extra points, even though that was a pretty low kick uh, on that extra point we, uh, we missed there right. uh, against Wake. I, I think there's a lot left to be desired. Like kick coverage is still, I think, a big liability for us. You know, and you play some of these top teams, they're going to have some weapons uh, back to return. And uh, we've seen a number of times guys gouge us uh, on the uh, on the kick returns. That, that's something I'd like to see improve that I haven't really seen much improvement on. Um, and then uh, defensively, um, I'd like to see some of the bigger plays stopped. But um, I, I think, uh, you know, I, like I've said before, sometimes giving up those big plays is an indicator that we have everything else tied down so well. Um, so you kind of have to sacrifice one aspect of of, uh, of defense for another but, right. uh, still that's that's another thing like I, I think a top team with a top defense shouldn't be uh, as susceptible to the big plays as we are mm -hmm. yeah I think part of it is we get super aggressive and our tackles for loss and our sack counts kind of show that that style of play that we have that does leave you open to if, if you don't necessarily get back and get into the backfield and disrupt you know maybe you are exposed back behind you and I think that's where our safety play and our corner play is going to need to um, be able to protect that in addition to, you know, stopping the deep balls. So, um, 
yeah, that's something I think against North Carolina, we're really going to need to be, we will be tested there. And let's see if Brent Venables can dial some stuff up to, to be disruptive up front or at the very least bend, but don't break in the back seven. I'm I, you know, I just, I, I hate hearing bend, but don't break. That's a very, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's a lazy way of talking about it. It's a very, no, it's a very Tommy Bowden era defense, uh, philosophy. Uh, we did a lot more bending then. Right. And we broke in several several occasions. Yeah, so screw uh, that image. Indeed. Well, I guess looking ahead, I mean, again, we've we've posted some impressive offensive performances. Um, South Carolina statistically is ranked 87th in defense. North Carolina 63rd in defense. And UNC struggled this weekend. They they took Virginia Tech, who by no means is an offensive powerhouse. Um, it, it took overtime to beat them. Um, they, you know, they put up a big number against Duke and Miami, so we know they're capable. They've got that gear, but uh, Virginia Tech's got a solid defense, also. So, um, you know, I, I think like if we can get through those games, number one, I, maybe we can talk about North Carolina real quick. Like, what's your what's your assessment of them in that game? What, well, I, I think, um, yeah, I'm very impressed with North Carolina. I think they deserve more accolades and they've gotten, but that's what happens when, when you lose to South Carolina in the spectacular fashion, throwing two interceptions in the end zone like they did to start out the season. You know, they just look like a joke against a, what turned out to be a real garbage team. Mm -hmm. um, that's hurt them, but obviously that's, as with Oklahoma, you can drop one to a, a terrible team and, and, and still be the better for it. You know, um, I am on the fence as to whether North Carolina gets into the playoffs if they beat us. You know, they, yeah. that could – I think because they have not been on most people's radar, there's a lack of familiarity there um, that would uh, maybe see other teams that have been floating around the top most of the season take that spot. Uh, but I, I think North Carolina is definitely capable of, of beating Clemson. I think that they will give, uh, give the Tigers a, a – real hell of a game I think it'll be sort of a shootout uh, but in the same vein I'm not so sure that North Carolina gets by NC State this weekend I don't really know so um, that'll be a very interesting game to watch um, yeah, I, I almost think NC State's a better team than Virginia Tech overall at this point based on how they played us um, I need to take a look at what they've done the last couple weeks but I know they've they handled Syracuse as well um, which you know we we didn't really do ourselves so yeah, I think State would love nothing more than to at least, you know, they wouldn't wouldn't keep UNC out of the Coastal Championship, but um, their hopes for a playoff berth, I'm yeah. sure they'd love to do that. So, yeah, yeah, certainly. And I think that also, uh, you know, North Carolina had a tougher time with Virginia Tech, uh, you know, in part because it was Beamer's last home game. There was so much emotion involved in that game for Virginia Tech, and they were really focused and really, uh, really – a tough team to play or a tough team to play anytime at Lane Stadium, especially when it's under the circumstances uh, that they were under during that game. And I think North Carolina did well to win, um, even if it was slightly questionable. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I think that um, Carolina's offense is, is really pretty tremendous. Uh, that's another reason I think that we're going to see a similar game versus them than we saw with NC State. You know, I think it's going to be uh, kind of a shootout. Yeah, they've got a really capable quarterback. 
feet. Um, and they have a much stronger running game, actually, even than State. So that's something where they can hurt you in both aspects. We're going to need to play super disciplined. So um, it's going to be a really good test for us. I think we'll know what Clemson team we've got on our hands heading into the playoffs during that game. Let's yeah. get South Carolina healthy. Um, and then uh, hopefully we've got the Orange representing us in Charlotte. Uh, I think we will. But I, I still – part of me still even wonders how in the hell North Carolina is eligible for the championship game, all that crap that's been dug up about their their fake classes and all that stuff. Like, how is that not sticking to them at all? Right. And I, I, mean, think, I think it's because of the commissioner of the league. Well, yeah, it's because the commissioner and, the, and a lot of the people in Greensboro are North Carolina people. And, uh, you know, it's a, a little-known fact that, you know, North Carolina doesn't necessarily have uh, an advantage over other teams when it comes to league stuff, but that's what they like to say. But, um, you know, teams submit uh, a number of plays for review by the league office after every football game, mm-hmm. um, maybe things they thought they should get a call on uh, or, or there was a they think the refs missed a call. And – you know, teams on average will send maybe four or five plays. North Carolina has always, for years, sent like 15 plays every single week because they know they're going to get more uh, backing from the league on all those complaints. So every every ref knows that when you officiate a North Carolina game, you're going to hear about it from the league. And, I mean, that alone, I think that says a lot about the way things run up there. Yeah, there's like an unconscious bias toward, oh, I better, better be a little more lenient on these calls or I'm going to hear about it and potentially – you know, the, the reps in that Miami-Duke debacle, I think were suspended or docked pay, something to that effect. Suspended a number of games, yeah. Yeah, probably rightfully so. That was just a complete... Well, that's also, loss. for years, uh, the ACC has put um, their their worst officiating crews on uh, on the Duke games, and this was, a, this was a reflection of that. That crew was inept and uh, shouldn't have been, uh, really shouldn't have been doing an ACC game to begin with, but... Um, you know, the previous commissioner took some really questionable people in. You know, one of the guys uh, on that game uh, I've heard um, is just like a rich uh, insurance salesman from Florida and is garbage at calling football. But he got a position with the ACC because it was a, a good connection to the ACC to have a, a wealthy, uh, uh, well-connected individual in Florida as, as one of their crew, even if he can't officiate his way out of a paper bag. Yeah, I think it's interesting when the leagues actually employ and assign and oversee referee crews um, well, the league does not well they they do employ the crew but officials in the acc as they are and i think every other league they're independent contractors mm-hmm. so you know they they get hurt uh calling a game they you know they can't officiate the rest of the season that's tough shit they don't get any uh compensation you know it's um they're really if people want to complain about officiating if they actually paid them what they ought to pay them, then you can be as hard on them as you want to be. But as it is now, you know, this, for whatever reason, those people want to officiate and they care about it because it sure isn't about the money. Right. Uh, so there's a, there's a lot of changes that need to happen there. I think yeah. officials ought to unionize. Yeah, I, th- and, I think so too. Um, yeah. And it seems like it's just such a thankless role. Um, you really only ever think about the refs when something doesn't go your way or there's some controversy. Um, I, I haven't really seen too much of it in college, but certainly in the NFL this year, you've got this, these questions over what is a catch. Um, it's really just, I don't know, it's, it's a situation that, yeah, if, if by paying them better or, you know, improving training and education, those kind of things can lead to fewer botched calls like at the end of that Miami Duke game, like, yeah, let's get on it. Football's a, a 
a lucrative enough business and important enough thing that you should really try to level the playing field there. Right. And also we need more uh, adherence to the standards for replay because uh, the replay official in the Miami Duke game instructed them to overturn a call that he had zero authority to do. You cannot. Um, oh, yeah. Review a flag. You can't overturn the block in the back based on the replay. That's that's literally mm-hmm. not against the rules. Yeah, yeah, it's literally not possible. And somehow they went through with it. So um, the there is some question about uh, what what the league did there because um, you know the replay is uh, there's somebody in Greensboro reviewing the reviewers on every game, mm-hmm. and you know, the officials that Miami Duke game came out and made one one kind of um, attempt at a call uh, after that last play, and then all of a sudden uh, he got called back over to the replay booth to talk to somebody else. And so it's whoever that second person is that contacted him, who likely was not the replay official up in the stands, up in the box. Was it Uncle Luke? <laughs> yeah, it might have been. It must might have been. been. Yeah, but uh, that's uh, there's a there's a mystery involved in who uh, kind of uh, who kind of was pulling the strings there. And uh, I think the league is culpable for that. I mean, I don't think this this hasn't had an implication on the coastal outcome of that that division. Um, you know, cold comfort for Duke fans at this point. Right, but I mean, it was uh, it, it did at the time help to boost North Carolina up. Uh, you know, which as we've talked about, the league doesn't mind. Mm-hmm. They didn't sure. need to help them. That's right. Uh, well, maybe we can wrap on Clemson here, and I want to end with we could talk about coaching vacancies around the country. Um, just in terms of the state of the Clemson program at this point, uh, that Wake victory yesterday was the 700th in the program's history. That moved our series record with those guys to 63 and 17. Kind of an interesting uh, numerical footnote for us. Um, Clemson now holds the nation's longest win streak at 14 games. Uh, we're now 8 0 in the ACC like you know, in the, our last eight games um, for the first time ever. And then our senior class broke a school record. They their victory. Um, they actually have in their entire tenure, they have as many losses, actually fewer losses now than the freshmen at South Carolina who have eight losses. on this. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you know, you've been a Clemson fan a really long time. Like thinking through this couple of year stretch, going back into the kind of the Taj Boyd era and now with, with this team, um, in this season in particular, like, do you really see this as like the high water mark of Clemson football as a fan, or do you see uh, is there kind of another era that you would you would describe as our 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 best? Well, you know, Clemson fans have long been told that they live in the past, you know, celebrating the 1981 glory. <coughs> Sorry, celebrating the 1981 glory, but um, mm-hmm. uh, and then we can be happy that we no longer have to look back. 30 years, uh, you know, for a time to be proud of the Tigers. Um, I, I think that <clears throat> this is the greatest stretch, but we still don't have a title, you know. We're still going for that, and uh, and we're becoming more and more poised to do so. Um, you know, I hesitate to say it's the best stretch because, like I said, we don't have a national championship yet. Um, yeah. It, it's certainly a great time uh, to be a Tiger, uh, to be a Tiger fan. Um, that again, <clears throat> that '80s era team could have done so much more had they not had extra sanctions slapped on them by uh, the ACC uh, on top of the NCAA infractions, um, which 
you know, looking back into that, yeah, we were doing some dirty stuff. Again, you can always say so is everybody else. Right. But, you know, some of those bands obviously hampered what would have been, um, you know, I think I think what was it, like the 84 team probably would have been able to go to the national championship game also. Um, you know, there were some tremendous teams in the 80s, but um, yeah. It like that type of extra ACC levied suspension or um, kind of bans, that probably wouldn't happen in this day and age. Just conferences really do need their champions to to continue and move forward. Like, um, I don't know that AC, that the ACC ever considered any disciplinary action against any teams in the past few years. I just think in this day and age with, you know, the amount of money involved and kind of the conferences facing up against one another, um, I don't know that they would shoot one of their members in the foot like that. No, absolutely not. And the, the thing that they added was a TV ban extended that, which, you know, they could never do that nowadays because, uh, you know, it might contractually affect some of their television contracts, which is you know, the biggest money. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and it would hurt the team worse now than it would than it did then, and it hurt them a lot. Um, I, I, I think I think you'd have to say that, I mean, these teams that Clemson's had lately have been really great. Um, but... Uh, yeah, uh, I think yeah. also we... Right now, like this these couple of years performance, it only helps to solidify the program moving forward and improve with exposure, ability to recruit top talent and reload. Um, and I think that's true provided Dabo Sweeney continues to be our head coach. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that what he's done is, you know, when we had Tommy Bowden, we had some phenomenal um, skill players. And every year, you know, Clemson had a, a Jacoby Ford or CJ Spiller, uh, you know, Mike Davis, these guys like that, but we were kind of weak on the lines. And it, that was part of, partially because we were losing out on some of those top uh, big man recruits to SEC teams and, and uh, other teams in the league. We finally, like, have have some real beasts on either side of the line. And that's where, to go to a hackled phrase, that's where the game's won. That's where championships are won are on the front line. Um, and yeah. and I've, I've, I love watching the team because they seem uh, very physical. I remember when we played uh, Alabama in that Chick-fil-A game, the first game of, what was it, 2007 or 2008? Yeah, I think 08 or 09. One of the, I think it was 08. Yeah, and they crushed us because yeah. they had some grown-ass men on their team, and we just had a bunch of really fast players. And fast players are not going to beat, you know, giant strong players. And I think now – we can line up with those guys with much more confidence than we could have in the past, even with even with teams that you would say are pretty good. Absolutely, and I think we're recruit along the lines. We just um, flipped a, a recruit this week, and Tremaine Ankrum signed with the Tigers. I think he's a three-star um, O-lineman, but getting a lot of accolades coming in, which is great news. We know what the defensive coaching staff has done on the D-line this year. We had so many guys go to the NFL last year we were concerned there was going to be a step backwards, and I don't think you've seen that. I think you've seen Christian Wilkins come in as a freshman and solidify himself in the middle part of that line. Um, Shaq and Kevin Dodd are looking great. So, um, yeah, it's it's nice to see the line sort of continue to be a strength of this team. Yeah, for sure. It's it's a lot more uh, more fun to watch there too. I I love watching our defense get after people. It's it is just so fun to be in somebody's backfield all day. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, well, hey, good stuff. I oh, yeah. 
I got a plug. I got a plug. Okay, let's hear it. Yeah. Uh, I will be uh, performing at the Laughing Skull Lounge at the Vortex Midtown Atlanta on Peachtree Street uh, Monday, November 30th. Um, come out. Uh, that'll be uh, uh, 8.30, I believe. No, sorry, 8 p.m. Uh, that'll be at 8. It's an open mic, so there's a lot of people there, but um, I'm funny, and you should see me, and um, I need to get a lot of people out on this so they give me more spots. So come check it out. And the Vortex is a great uh, bar and restaurant, and it's uh, – the Laughing Skull Lounge inside of it is the best uh, comedy club in Atlanta. Awesome. Well, yeah, check that out, everybody. Um, thanks again, Chili. We'll, we'll probably connect with you around bowl season, check in, get your thoughts on things. Um, real quick before we wrap, I wanted to get your thoughts on coach coaching vacancies around the country. Like any, oh, yeah. any, what do you think is the best? Like uh -huh. USC, Miami, Vodtech, Missouri. I've seen long tenured coaches leaving. Uh, the Coots are hiring even Maryland are, are looking to get after it. And then um, we're, we're even hearing some turmoil happening in Georgia, LSU, Texas, um, and even Notre Dame might be looking for a coach if Brian Kelly jumps the NFL. So any, yeah. which of those looks like the most attractive job to you? Well, um, I think Miami has a lot of built-in advantages in terms of uh, recruiting. But on the flip side of that, I've heard Miami fans decry the uh, administration, um, the administration's lack of support for the team, and obviously there's, you know, terrible fan support down there. You're just not going to get it. Um, yeah, facility involved is included. Yeah, facilities, you know, built. You know, I, I guess I'm not familiar with the Miami campus. I guess they can't. It's in the middle of town. They can't build a stadium. I don't know, but um, you know, it seems like if they if they did that, they'd be uh, they'd be pretty set. Um, even though I, I can't. I, look, you're in Miami. There's a lot more fun stuff to do than go watch a college football game, especially when your team stinks. Yeah, I get that. Um, but uh, that 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 job, I think, will be really attractive. Uh, I just read today that you know Les Miles is is almost assuredly going to be out at LSU, and they're going to go hard after Jimbo Fisher, um, which I'm not sure. I would leave Florida State for LSU. Uh, you know, I yeah. mean. LSU will do whatever it takes to win. That's good. You're definitely going to have uh, fan support, but Florida State does too. They don't care what kind of people you take or, or who, what you have to finagle to get some money into the school. You know, uh, right. it's treatment of Les Miles, I feel like, is also would there too. After what he's accomplished there, you would think oh, you yeah, have a longer leash. That's the modern landscape of coaching. It's really crappy that all he's done for that team, and now they want to get rid of him. I mean, that, I think that's a bad move on their part. Um, I mean, I think Georgia is going to be smart and keep Rick for one more year because there's going to be a lot. <clears throat> there are a lot of big vacancies as you, as you spoke about this year. It's going to be pretty hard, and you're going to have to pay a whole hell of a lot more for a coach this year right. uh, than you might next year. And um, and uh, you know, I think I think the South Carolina job. You know, I'm too biased to really be objective on this, but the South Carolina job is a bad job. I mean. Um, there's not enough talent in the state to have a really good team in Clemson and in Columbia. I mean, that's kind of proven to be true. I mean, you have to go get so much out-of-state talent to fuel those teams, and that's really hard to do with the SEC teams recruiting, and you know, this is their recruiting base. Right. They're also – I think they're operating at a deficit, too, budget-wise. So. Yeah. They're in the whole, like, $150 million, but they're, they're going to make that back pretty quickly. I'm not too worried about that. Um, but uh, – 
oh man, it's just a weird, it's a weird thing. You know, they're, they're naming a building after Spurrier. I mean, that's, they're like, like the guy that never got laid and they want to marry the first person who screws them. Like they're going to be pining after Spurrier forever. And he just, he, he, you know, he wanted him and down him and left them. So yeah, they still had some tremendous years. I don't blame them for being a fan of the guy, but continuing to pay him a salary for the full year when he left and then naming a building after him, like have some damn self-respect. That's right. Especially the latter part. Um, just, yeah, it, I haven't seen or read one South Carolina outlet or fan acknowledge that he quit. Um, oh, I've, I've, saw, I've seen plenty of that. I, I, I went on the uh, Fighting Gamecocks forum after the Citadel game just to just bathe in the pot. Yeah. It was just so beautiful. Um, I mean, it's such a wormy thing for me to do, but who cares? I, I have to get pleasure out of this life somehow. Um, but there were a lot of people that were basically that sound like Clemson fans almost like, I, you know, he quit, he quit uh, on us two years ago. No, we're not, you know? Yeah. So, uh, but I think a coach would look at that and say, wow, you know, that's that true. Actually. Right. When, they, when, if you win 60 games down there, they build you, uh, you know, a statue. If you win 10 games, they'll, they'll give you a whole damn building. So there, there's some attraction there, but also you know, tough recruiting against people. Tough, tough division uh, most years. You know, this year not so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, Florida, Florida seems to be on the upward trend. I mean, it's first yeah. year. Yeah, they've had some close, yeah. close ones, but indeed, but then, uh, cool. I mean, I, I would say it's the best coaching job. It's probably Memphis when that guy leaves. Yeah, I think Just, USC actually. To me, that would be. You know, you see what Pete Carroll is able to do there from plugging into the. The wealth of talent in Southern California. You got Hollywood there. Yeah, um, for the right coach. I actually think that could be a great spot for Les Miles. Um, yeah, I think. Well, that's perfect. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, mm-hmm. And I think especially after the kind of uh, the kind of horrible troubles they had this year uh, with uh, Sarkeesian. Yeah, I, I hope he, he gets the help he needs. Yeah, that's stuff more important than football. But um, I, I don't take any delight in his. And his uh, affliction there, but uh, it kind of means the next coach who steps in, your the bar is a lot lower. You know, just don't publicly embarrass the school, and you're going to be doing great. It, whereas whoever steps in for him at LSU, it's win right now or get the hell out. You know, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, I'll be curious to see if Jimbo goes for it. I think they're going to have to pay him a bundle, which they've got and they will. But I don't. I don't, I don't think. I don't think LSU is a step up from Florida State. And yeah, agreed. fans will be mouth-breathing about that, but tough, you know, it's not. Yeah, I think in the ACC, it's a one, it's a two-horse race at the moment, Clemson, Florida State, um, in the Atlantic at, at least. And when you go to that SEC West, I mean, it's, it's kind of a, it's tricky. It's a much tougher road. Oh, for sure. And I think, you know, we're, we're overlooking the Virginia Tech position. I mean, I think that, that's a good spot where, um, you know, a younger coach who's dedicated to that school, they're going to treat him real well. Um, yeah, yeah. I think they're going to want to get the kind of uh, uh, coaching, uh, uh, kind of coaching uh, nomads, the kind of guys that go from school to school. I think they want somebody there for a long time. I mean, any school does, but, you know, I think they'll, they'll be willing to gamble on somebody younger. Um, yeah. And I think LSU is a bit more likely to hire like a mercenary type guy, like the – yeah, maybe they'll yeah, get that's out. what I was trying to say. I couldn't think, exactly. couldn't think of the word. I, I, I drank fireball last night. It, things happen. 
<laughs> awesome. All right. Yeah, I made a lot of tweets about bidets. Um, I just yeah. want to stress the fact that don't be ashamed of it. You know, just, just you want to be clean all over, man. You need a bidet. You need a handheld or a seat-based. Don't be ashamed of talking about it, <laughs> right? You know the confidence you get when you have a sparkling undercarriage? It's amazing. Just getting going to the bathroom and using, like, two sheets of toilet paper? Come on, man. That's living life. That's living life. So, guys, we got bidets, and we got head, head to the victory. Check out Chili live, open mic night, and um, hopefully we'll be getting some. November 30th. November 30th. Cool. We will uh, continue to replug that for you. And thanks again, man. Great catching up. Appreciate the talk, and uh, go Tigers. Yeah, man. Thanks, buddy. Go Tigers. You got it.